We are worshiping an awesome God. And He is everything that uh, these songs say and more. I trust you've had a good week. And I trust that you'll have a better week next week than this week. Some of our folks have uh, had an awesome weekend. And I can tell by the uh, smile on their faces. And uh, they've, they've already worshipped God this week. And I uh, pray the same is true for us. And know that it will be. We are looking at some things that... Uh, we might feel our uh, rinky-dink. How long has it been since you've heard that term? Rinky-dink. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. The rest of you are asleep, I guess. I don't know. I... Rinky-dink. I was afraid he was going to tell me it was a northern phrase, and I've tried to forget everything I grew up with the first 18 years of my life because not much of it was true. Only those things I heard about Jesus were true and eternal and lasting. Today we're looking at 1 Corinthians, the 7th chapter. I want to ask if anyone in the audience has the Living Bible Translation. Anybody else? Uh, Jason, you're awful good and young and active. Would you go get that copy of the Living Bible from me? It's not Living Bible. You got one? That's good. That's the same thing. You got one too? Would you let me borrow it just a minute? And then we'll bring it right back to you. You're very kind to... I wanted to read from that translation this morning and I failed to get my Bible of the Living Translation. Now... From the seventh chapter, I want us to begin looking in verse 17. 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter, beginning in verse 17. You realize we're reading from the Living Bible. It's going to be a little bit more modern translation. You must accept whatever situation the Lord has put you in and continue on as you were when God first called you. This is my rule for all the churches. Then let's look in verse 20. You should continue on as you were when God called you. Now, think about that. We are to continue on. We're not in a process, and the, as the people of God, we're not just kind of haphazardly walking through life. When we met Jesus, He wants us to go on with Him. He has new things. And uh, as we look today in the 24th verse... Let's listen to these words. So, dear brothers and sisters, whatever situation you were in when you became a believer, stay there in your new relationship with God. Thank you. I, I think that makes it a, 
a little clearer for us when we hear the language of today. Thank you, Jason. I want you to think with me this morning about something that happens in almost every church across the land. We are living in what we might call a modern time. In most of our churches today, everything points to Sunday morning. It is the climax. It is the epitome of what we are about as the people of God. Everything we do at church is built around Sunday morning. So when we come together on Sunday morning, it's kind of like an atmosphere of a sporting event. You know, we're kind of up, we're kind of happy, we're kind of joyful. We've come together to hear God's Word. The spectators have come to see the show. The performers have come to perform. The whistle blows at 12 o'clock. The action is over. And the spectators go home for another week. Does that sound anywhere close to what most churches in the world today are experiencing. I would really say without any hesitation at all that probably we as preachers are responsible for that. I mean, we know when we come here on Sunday morning what's going to transpire, what's going to take place. But it really has a determination that we know there are no surprises. We know what's going to happen, when it's going to happen, and when it's going to be over. I told you recently reading a statement that has really sparked my heart. It's a prayer, and it simply says this, Lord, do something this Sunday that we're not expecting. For some of us, that could be a scary prayer. Lord, do something different. Do something new. Do something that is not on the program. Now, this that we deal with, this one-day-a-week religion, is contrary to everything that's in the New Testament. You see, they came to church... And by the way, they only had a Sunday morning, and uh, most of you are uh, familiar with that. You've adopted that philosophy. We're going to follow the New Testament. Now, we do it for a different reason. We can drive 40 miles one way to get to church and have it and experience it, but then we're through for the day. Well, is that the way that the New Testament church experienced worship, experienced Bible study, came together. Paul said here clearly he advocated these truths. He was saying we are to come together for a purpose. We come to worship the Lord. We come to experience Jesus Christ. He's here through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is here. And we experience that, and we experience it on Sunday morning, and it happens 
the same way every Sunday in every way. So there are no surprises. We know from the study of God's Word that Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth. And the church at Corinth was in the midst of a society that was very immoral. And they were known for a lot of the worldliness that they brought into the church. After they became a Christian, those things continued on with them. And they were seeking to be followers of Christ and seeking to live the way the Lord wanted them to live, but they also brought with them the things of the world. They came out of paganism. The world worshipped one way and Christians worshipped another. They were thinking, if I could just get out of some of these worldly things in my life, then God would be happy with my worship. One of the things that was a real problem in this church was the fact that there were many couples who one was a Christian and the other was not a Christian. And their thought was this, if I could just get rid of my unbelieving mate, then I would be what I ought to be before the Lord. Paul was saying to them, you need to stay like you are. You need to let the difference in Jesus changing your life, that he can change your mates and your children. He can change the people where you work. God is in the business through Jesus Christ of changing people. Not our circumstances, but he changes people. You and I sometimes forget we've been born again so long and we're used to everything. We need to realize that what we need to be used to is that Jesus Christ changed us. If it hadn't been for him, we would be just like everybody else in this world. So it's the primary function of Jesus. I want to say it again. It is the primary function of Jesus to change us. So I want you and I this morning to look at ourselves and ask ourselves, have I been changed by Jesus? Am I different than I was before I knew him? We need to be a Christian where we live. We need to be a Christian where we work. We need to be a Christian in our downtime as well as our uptime. If we cannot be a Christian in those places, then we're probably not a Christian. If Jesus doesn't change our life, our lifestyle, our habits, everything about our life, we need to examine what we are experiencing. All of us, every one of us here, younger and older believers, need to have this encouragement. There ought to be something about our life that is different. We're not like everybody else that we meet on the streets. What kind of a home do you come from today as a believer in Christ? What are the circumstances that surround your home? Is there anything different 
in your home than in your neighbors? What kind of people do you live with? Can you tell they've been changed? Can you tell they are believers in Christ? Are they congenial? Are they easy to live with? Are they thoughtful? Are they loving? Are they happy? Are they different from the people that you see and relate to in the world? Are they selfish? Are they gripey? Are they complaining? Are they belly aching? You do know what the term belly aching means. Yes. Some of you on the front row are listening well. Some of you back in the back, you're drifting a little bit. You're drifting a little bit. Come on back. Let me ask you about your children. Oh, my. I had children your age. I have some people in this church who grew up with some of my children. So uh, they know that what I'm speaking is the truth. Are your children loving, obedient, dependent? Do they look to you? They may not say yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am. But you know their heart. You know the fullness of their life because of Christ. Not only in you, but in them. What kind of parents do you have? I don't want any children to stand and give a testimony today, all right? None of you need to tell us exactly how mom and dad are. I did that one time, and I had a child speak. His parents, mm -mm. how are you as parents? Are you nagging? Are you complaining? Do they trust you? Do they respect your rights? What kind of parents do you have? Answer God that. Do not answer me. So, Regardless of the circumstances in the home, we cannot say that our homes are Christian all the time, can we? I was uh, having a good night last night. I was watching a cowboy that I hadn't seen. And I had seen... uh, Start to say Act 1. That's nothing. I had seen the, the first part of that movie. And uh, last night I caught the second part. And I was so happy and I was into the second hour of the movie and the doorbell rang. Do you know how you are when the doorbell rings? You've got something on you really want to see. You're doing something you really want to do. Or truthfully, you don't have your clothes on. That you usually wear. Well, when the doorbell rings in our house, Sue runs to the bedroom. Hello? She's in her pajamas. She wants you to know that she did have something on. Some of you have been to the other place, haven't you? Doorbell rings. I go to the door. 
This person's been at my door. This is the fifth time this week. What's the matter? Can't you get it? They come in. They talk about the same problem we've talked about all four times this week. Now they have a conspirator with them. Don't set up a time watching the preacher's house to see who comes, all right? Don't go there. And I say, come right on in. I almost called his name, excuse me. I said, come on in. And I'm thinking in my head, oh, this is going to be an hour. I'm going to miss it. Dave told me in Sunday school this morning the answer, and that's DV, what is it? DVR. I've got one, but I'm not sure about how to use it. Jason, you're the minister of technology now. Where are you when I need you? We've been talking all week about the same problem. I've been giving the same answer. You're not depending on the Lord. They're afraid of something. How many of us have been afraid of something this week? As I was getting ready to church this morning, some big bang hit our house. Man, I wanted to run outside, you know, but I I, I couldn't run outside as I was. I was getting ready. So, we've all dealt with fears this week. That's why I have a light on my front porch. Uh, Carolyn, we have fixed the front porch, by the way. And we've got an extra light out there now. And and that was a good idea. She fell on our front porch. I I know other people have had that ominous privilege of falling on the front porch. I'm looking at one now, but you won't know who it is. it's, It's none of your business. But... We deal with fears. We go over the same things. And I say, do you get that? Yes. There was a person with them, very close to them, and they said, you didn't get it. You didn't get it. This is the fifth time you've been here this week. You didn't get it. They're afraid. It's a family problem. Family problems scare us more than any other kind of problem. As we talk about family and children and parents and all of these qualities, it it makes us nervous. Gosh, I hope nobody knows. I tell you what, I'm so glad you don't have a camera, or do you, in the parsonage. Come on, folks, lighten up. We're just teasing. I know you don't have a camera because I checked it out. Will that wake you up? No, is that what she said? She's in her own world, isn't she? We're glad she's here. We love children in God's house, don't we, Steve? Now, it's a whole lot easier to live with someone who is following 
the concepts of the Lord than it is to live with someone who is outside of the kingdom of God. And yet Paul says it's better to stay married even if it is to an unbeliever than it is for you to divorce that person. He's saying unto them and to us, stay where you are. Yes, it's painful, but God believes and God knows that you need to be with your mate. You know, sometimes the bottom line is men are hard to live with. Ladies, we open the door. Men are hard to live with. You say, Brother Jim, how do you know that? I have done a study of myself, and I've done a study of men in particular. I have concluded that men are irrational beings. Mm. Now, men, this is the next part where it's time for you to say amen. Women can be hard to live with. Ooh, that's the last first time in a long time I got an amen out of you guys. The Bible verifies that. Listen to what it says in Proverbs 21, 9. It is better to dwell in a corner of a housetop than to live with a, bra a brawling woman. <laughs> Be careful, don't, don't, don't laugh at the wrong time, gentlemen. In Proverbs 21, verse 19, it says, He is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious woman. Young people, Parents, we can be hard to live with. Amen? It may be difficult. It may be unpleasant. But in a home, a Christian home, we're to practice love, patience, and forgiveness. That is God's word to us today. Now, let's all breathe a sigh of relief. That's all we're going to say about being a Christian at home today. Now we're going to talk about being a Christian at work. Oh, why don't he just leave us alone? What about your job, where you work, what's it like? Well, you say, I live in Haskell, Texas. We're all wonderful people to work with. <clears throat> I hope none of the ones I work with will say anything about me. Our poor secretary this weekend, this week went and had two teeth extracted. She hadn't been to the dentist for a long... She had not been there since the dentist used to do this. You remember that? I can't forget it. I won't go today. I remember that sound. Oh, my. 
Well, I had to go a couple of years ago. It was go or suffer and shut up. We do not have any dentists here today, do we? You know, every once in a while, you've got to be careful what you say. I'm not saying anything bad about dentists, but I'm saying most of us are afraid of them. She was. It wasn't Pat. It wasn't, uh, what's your name again? It wasn't Jason, and it wasn't me, so it was Jane. She was so upset about going to the dentist. She was going to get two teeth pulled. And we tried to reassure her. We tried to tell her that everything's changed. Everything's good. You can go to the dentist now. And you can have teeth extracted and not even know it. Anybody believe that? Uh, we went into the office Friday morning. Jane was smiling. She wasn't even talking about going to having been to the dentist the day before. Finally, I got the courage to ask her. I said, Jane, how'd it go? Oh, what, what, what are you talking about? She didn't even remember that she had those teeth extracted. It went wonderfully. Wouldn't we like it if everybody that came into our business, everything went fine all the time? Some people say today that Christianity and business do not mix. They're two different things. If that were truth, then there's something wrong with Christianity or there's something wrong with work. They can work together. God wants them to work together. When we become a Christian, we need to be able to work anywhere except two places. Are you listening? I said there's two places that you do not need to work at as a Christian. One of them is in a place that has gambling. Hello? Those who pry upon the weakness of other people. I would even go so far as to say we should not do business with those places who are taking advantage of people that have a weakness to gamble. I have told you that since I was a teenager, I still deal with it. I have a great desire to gamble. I really do. I like to take Chances, if you've ever played dominoes with me, you know that I'm a risk taker. I'm going to bid far more than I can ever make. Most people who play dominoes, what? They bid just a little bit less than they're pretty sure they can make. If you're a competent domino player, not me. I want to take a risk. I want... I love to gamble, but I don't do it. For one thing, I feel like I've worked too hard for that money to throw it away. Amen? We have a lot of people today who are playing... What's that game that our state 
throws away all that money into? Lottery. My friends, I pray to God that you're smart enough not to throw away your money. I almost started to say, is there anybody here who's won? And there probably would be. So, you know, you'd prove me wrong. There's another kind of situation that we don't need to be working for people who are dishonest. We could spend the whole sermon talking about that. Do you work for somebody who is dishonest? Then you need to quit and you need to let God get you another job. You say, you don't understand the times in which we're living. Yes, I do. But I'm telling you that if you're working for a place where they're gambling and where they are also cheating people, then you need to resign and get another job. Somebody once said there's nothing wrong with dirt on your hands as long as it washes off. Some things don't wash off. So Paul says that as a Christian, we should take the gospel of Jesus with us not only to our homes, but also to the place where we work. The last thing I want to speak to real quickly is this. We need to be a Christian with how we spend our leisure time. You do have, you do take time off, don't you? If you don't, you need to learn to. God made you and me so that we would not work all the time. We need some downtime. God told us that. If you don't have some downtime, you're going to be in trouble before long. Paul said, when you have leisure time, you should still live for Christ. My folk, my friends... Our leisure time, we say, that's my business. No, it's God's business too. He gave His life that you might have eternal life. And we must read His Word and understand that everything we do, including leisure time, is God's. Paul says, where you live or work, and where you spend your leisure time makes your life count for God or not. He also said, for me to live is Christ. Hmm. I want to close by telling this story. Any of you know Booker T? I want to make sure his name. Washington. Anybody here heard of Booker T. Washington? Sure you have. I want to tell you a little bit about Booker T. He was born a slave in Virginia. His life was miserable. He lived in a home that had no windows. It had no food. He lived in a home that was 19 feet by 14 feet with seven brothers and sisters. 
he was number eight. He never knew his father. He slept in the floor. He did not sleep in a bed. He seldom had anything good to eat. But as a slave, he did learn one thing. He learned that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive him of his sins and to give him eternal life. When he was emancipated, set free, he was 23 years old. He started a college called Tuskegee Institute. There he started that college with 2,600 Negroes in his school. He became an advisor to presidents, and he became a friend to all. He never said that if life had been better, I could have accomplished a whole lot more. He accomplished a great deal with less than any of us here in this building have ever had. You say, Brother Jim, what are you trying to say to us today? I'm trying to say this. Stay where you are. As a Christian, if you live with a non-believer, stay with that non-believer. You don't need a new job. You need a new you. God's changing us. And for many of us, that change is still going on because this world is changing all the time. And to live a Christian life 24-7 is quite a job. It's a very difficult task. I'm going to offend a lot of people. I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I want them to understand me. But the one we need to say that of is God the Father. Father, I want to do everything that pleases you. I want to be a Christian at home. I want to be a Christian in my work. I want to be a Christian as I go out and have a good time. God is concerned about us 24 hours a day. Would you bow with me as we pray?